I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hello everybody and welcome to the first ever episode of the fangirl radio show i am your host jessica dwyer and with me are my fellow fangirls and boy um i will introduce them all here um mr todd is our producer and he is also a bit of a horror geek and a little bit of a geek all around say hi todd yep all about the comic books hey guys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, also we have with us the infamous and awesome Miss Christy Jett. Christy. Hi. Christy is our, a guru of t-shirts, a lover of thin, nerdy boys, and our resident, uh, my resident fellow horror maven. Then also with us, we have Ren Willux. She is my um, mistress of the web. She does my website for Fangirl Magazine. She's also a mistress of the Brickcom and the fake wife of Tim Minchin. Yes, that's me. That is her. And also, last but not very much not least, is my graphic goddess and a partial sharer in my brain, uh, Danny Stinger. <laughs> Say hi, <Sorry>. Danny. <laughs> So this show, um, what I'm hoping to get out of this for everybody that's going to be listening is, um, you know, fellow geek girls out there and uh, also geek boys, we want to just have a good time and talk about the things that we love that we know you love too. And um, we're going to show that uh, the girls out here have just as much a right to love this stuff as uh, every boy does. And uh, I kind of, I've kind of described it to a lot of people as um, we're kind of the view only with a personality and soul. Yes. <laughs> so, um, guys, if you want to, um, Christy, why don't you go first? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, my name is Christy, and by day, I am like the executive director of service and staff for Freight Rags, which is a horror t-shirt company. Um, I also happen to freelance for Horror House Magazine, which I'm sure Jeff knows all about. No, not at all. <laughs> and when I'm not doing that, um, I've been working about the last year and a half of my life trying to get a wonderful movie called Popcorn uh, re-released on DVD and Blu-ray. That's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> and Rin, tell us a little bit about you. Well, um, I'm a sci-fi nerd from way back. Grew up on Star Trek and Star Wars. I do not have a favorite. I love them both equally. 
Um, I also am a little bit of an Anglophile, kind of addicted to anything British. Um, you mix the British and the sci-fi together and it's even better. Red Dwarf <laughs> is one of the best comedies ever made. Um, and I just sort of devour sci-fi series as I watched everything Farscape and everything Stargate Universe. Don't knock it. It's an awesome show. <laughs> and uh, Danny, let's hear about you. I have a day job, but I'd I'd much rather be a fangirl as often as I can. And uh, most of my experience actually was um, growing up in Italy, so most of my fangirl experiences kind of filtered through and cultivated uh, through, you know, Italian being dubbed over the film. So I saw Star Star Wars at age six in Italian. I saw Doctor Who in Italian. And most of the Japanese anime that my parents would allow me to watch, I I saw it in Italian. So That must have been um, interesting. It was really interesting, especially to hear a Dalek say "sterminare" uh, instead of "exterminate." So. <laughs> that is the coolest thing I've heard all day. <laughs> it's just, you know, odd, but uh, anyway, you know, I like anything set in space. I like anything with a fairy tale spin to it, and the whole gamut of superhero films, suspense thrillers, and um, occasionally a good zombie comedy will get me to the theater. So. That includes a cute little blonde goateed, you know, sort of gingery boy. That always Blood helps. Spatter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Todd, do you want to give us a little insight into the stuff that you love? Well, uh, you know, it's all things Batman for me. One of my prized possessions is the original cowl that Keaton used in the first <gasps> Batman. Where do you I, live? Uh, yeah, I, uh, my buddy was in the, uh, <laughs> he was in the vaults there. She's not lying. It's uh, a... <laughs> Dug out a, a, he was in the prop area and dug out a uh, an actual mold for this and uh, poured me one and did me right. And, uh, of course, uh, all things superhero, Batman's the main thing. And then horror movies, man. I'm a horror movie grindhouse type junkie. And when I, of course, I didn't know it was called grindhouse until I grew up and found out that's kind of the term they slapped on it there in New York. But uh, uh, those kind of movies were always my favorites. So I'm really into the the trashy stuff, the fun exploitation stuff, and I'm also a sci-fi freak. And everyone says, which is it, Trek or Wars? And I have to say I love them both, so it's, it's one of those things. I, 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 can't, I can't fault that, man. I can't pick between the two, although sometimes Trek just seems to be so much more incompatible. You know, it takes over and, and has so many far-reaching effects than Star Wars does in a lot of ways. Blasphemy. <laughs> well, uh, you know what I'm saying. It's like Trek. I could. I want to have that ideal. I want mm-hmm. to be in that universe. You know, I want humanity to to grow into that, and that's really what Roddenberry wanted out of it too. You know, that we we are respectful to one another, and and we have this you know great society, and I hope we can aspire to be that at some point. And Star Wars, you know. Well, I hope we can aspire to that, too. I just hope there's also lightsabers. Exactly. Well, yes. yes. <laughs> so just being able to, tell, to, to make somebody do something just by waving your hand, that'd be cool, too. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I have some people I'd like to use that trick on. <laughs> Jay can do that already. Oh, yeah. Yes. Johnny Depp. You will come here. Actually, I apparently, I, I, I actually apparently already speak into the mind of Johnny Depp because he's doing everything that I want him to. 
<laughs> Sorry. That's frightening. I, I saw the Barnabas picture today, and it makes me happy and giddy. It's just how it is. I have not got to see that. I'm happy man. to have a subscription to that magazine. I swear, I can't wait till the issue comes in. Todd, you haven't seen the picture yet? I have not. I've seen the picture. It's just, it's not big enough for me. <laughs> I, oh, I no, I posted, I posted the big one. I posted the, the 800 by whatever size. I have it as my background right now on my computer. Awesome. But I am so, for for people who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about, of course, Dark Shadows and um, he uh, the Johnny Depp remake, uh, re-envisioning with Tim Burton. And they're really not re-envisioning much. They're making it look just like the original. And um, uh, it's kind of insane how much Helena Bonham Carter looks like Grayson Hall in that picture. Um, cool. And Johnny Lee Miller does I love look, Johnny Lee Miller. He's he doesn't look like Johnny Lee Miller. It's creepy Aww. how much he looks like who he's supposed to, which is Louis Edmonds. And if he, if he could look like Dade from hackers all the time, that would be awesome. <laughs> In a black leather dress. Yes. <laughs> You're real cool. <laughs> crash and burn, crash and burn. Chris is probably like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, speaking of Christy, um, Christy, uh, as we've said, uh, works for the wonderful and takes my money all the time, Fright Rags. And, <laughs> and yes, and she knows that. That's why she's laughing, because I pay a lot of her salary for as much as I buy. Um, so, <laughs> you should, t- and you should buy them too. Um, and hopefully, I believe you guys are getting ready to re-release the We Belong Alive t-shirt, are you not? Well, that's the hope. I mean, we originally released, this, it's a breast cancer awareness shirt, and it, it's, it's modeled, it's a parody modeled after the Janet Jackson album cover, you know, where her breasts are being cupped, but in this one, it's Frankenstein cupping uh, Bride of Frankenstein's breasts. <laughs> um, but, it's, you know, it's, it's a breast cancer awareness, and originally we did it because a friend of the company was actually battling breast cancer, and we uh, wanted to raise money for it. We wanted to figure out some way to do something nice for her. So we, we released the shirt. We donated all the proceeds to her. Um, and this time around, we're thinking of re-releasing it with the hopes of donating at least half of everything that we make to the Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Fund. Um, so that, that is the hope right now, yes. It's a beautiful shirt. I, I managed to score one of them when they first went out, and um, it's just a beautiful uh, message, too, that it conveys. There's a little pink ribbon on, on the bride's uh, gown that she's wearing, and really, if, if they get to do this again, please buy one. They're they're beautiful, and, and they're just, you know, the the reason they're made is such a good one, and I love the fact that every penny went to her. That was so wonderful that you guys did that. We so about $8,000 $8, almost. It was, it was that, awesome. That was great. And they sold out within two hours, I think. It was crazy. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, we had to reprint them, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but Christy's, um, well, I'm giving Christy her a little uh, a segment for her own called Off the Cuff, which is a little nice little play considering what she makes. And, and uh, I, let's, let's let Christy do what Christy does best, and that is talk. I guess that's a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you know, when when Jess first invited me to to have a little segment, I said, you know, what's the most important thing going on with me right now? Other than, obviously, popcorn. But, you know, popcorn's not a very important subject at the moment. Uh, But one thing that has been really big in my life over the past few months has been um, a proposed sequel to a film called Behind the Mask. And, um... 
Uh, this is a film that was made back in 06, and uh, it's really a huge deconstructionist film. It's called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Um, and it follows the story of Leslie Vernon, who's this uh, serial killer in the world of a Jason, a Freddy, a, you know, a Michael Myers, um, and he's sort of making his comeback. And, and the film follows, you know, Leslie Vernon in documentary style, and it just sort of it really deconstructs all of those things that we see in horror movies. That you know, it's a suspension of disbelief, but um, instead, you know, this it spells everything out for you. Well, I was madly in love with this film, like absolutely madly in love with it. And um, you know, recently, a few months back, I was on Facebook, and all of a sudden, I see uh, this this ad for the new fan page for a sequel, and I'm like, oh my god, I've got to check this out. Well, it turns out it's not necessarily a fan page for the sequel in terms of, okay, this is about to come out. Well, they're trying to raise money to make a sequel. You know, originally the original screenwriter, David Stevie, got back together with Scott Blossom and the director, um, and even the star, Nathan Bezos, who played Leslie Vernon, uh, they were all ready to just, you know, jump right back in. And, and they took the idea back to Anchor Bay, who's originally who released it back in 06. And, um, and, you know, uh, everybody liked the idea. It seemed like everything was going to go just fine. Anchor Bay was going to, you know, give them the funding for it. But, you know, very soon after, they decided, no, we're, we're not going to, with no real explanation, more of the, more of the, um, what they explained is there's just no money in this right now. Um, you know, when I hear something like that, it's kind of hard to believe because behind the mask, um, it sold over 250,000 copies. And for a direct-to-video market, I mean, that's ridiculously good. Uh, so essentially, you know, it's one of those situations where me being the nerd uh, journalist that I was, I said, I've got to write an article about this. <laughs> so I contacted Scott Glossom, the director, and, and you know, and I started, uh, you know, I formed a friendship with him. And, and over the past few months, we've been trying to raise awareness. Um, if you go to the Facebook page uh, for the fan, uh, for, for Before the Mask, it's just facebook.com slash before the mask and there are opportunities there uh, to donate but it's not just donating what they're trying to do is have a grassroots effort wherein you pre-reserve your copy of the film and by doing that you're helping to fund the film um you know the, the only thing that's a little sort of hard to believe about all of this is you know, obviously, films are not cheap, um, and the budget that they're looking for is close to $1 million. However, recently, um, it has come to light that they have found a financier who is willing to match any amount that they raise. So, honestly, they're trying to raise about half a million dollars right now. Um, the reason that I'm so passionate about this, I mean, it's one of those movies that when it came out, I was just completely blown away by it. And it's one of those things that I think if the horror community knows enough about this and they understand how important it is to raise this money and get an original film sequel made, you know, this isn't just the same old rehash BS over and over again. Um, I really think it's important for the community to get behind. So uh, my sort of my plead with, with the listeners out there is to really give this a chance and spread all the word you can about getting a sequel to Behind the Mask made. So that's sort of where I'm standing right now. And and I I have to agree with Christy. It's it is one of the best um, horror films I say in like the last few years. I really enjoyed it. And there's so many nice little nods to um, the original films that you know kind of spawned it. Like uh, Kane Hodder does a cameo. Robert England's in there um, as as a Doctor Loomis type character from Halloween. And 
it, it's so neatly done. It went, goes from a faux documentary into it morphs into the, the, the genre that it's talking about, which is it becomes a slasher film. And Nathan Basil is so great. He is so disarmingly sweet and charming in this. And then he can switch on a dime to this menacing character. And uh, I love Nathan. He's great. He is a great guy. Wonderful guy. He's starting to do conventions now, luckily. Um, I had the, the extreme pleasure of helping to arrange him to be um, at Monster Mania not too long ago. And uh, let me tell you, you will never meet a more humble actor than Nathan Basil. And, and that's another reason. I just support this project so much because the people behind it are just so genuine. This isn't about a paycheck for them, you know? And, and so many times you see that in this business, unfortunately. The things that you know we grew up loving and just, uh, you know, idolizing and uh, people are just in it to, to make a paycheck because they've learned the horror community. You know, horror movies are essentially a guaranteed moneymaker, you know, but, but not the guys from behind the mask. And that's what I love so much about this project. And it's, you know, and, and like I said, the, the, I got to uh, actually one of my first interviews for horror, horror hound was with, with these guys. So I know how nice they are and just oh, okay. great and genuine and into it that they are. So if you can, please donate towards it because I really want to see what they do with this. I, I absolutely loved it and has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that they filmed it in Portland, which is only a little ways away from me. <laughs> but, but um please do help help give to this uh whatever you can spare because we would love to see this happen it's a great film and and speaking kind of leading in from that to um what i wanted to uh, talk about briefly before our very special guest shows up um i wanted to talk about fan videos and fan made films that are online I, i don't know and todd this is probably something that you know a little bit about if you're a batman fan um, there are some great, great movies out there that are fan-made and fan-funded that are based off of the stuff that they love and they wanted to, to um, continue on with. And and just as a horror fan, um, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a little bit of everything nerd, but just as a horror fan, uh, some of the things out there like, um, and Christy, you may have seen some of them too, is like, Friday the 13th Legends and The Nightmare Ends on Halloween. These movies are so cool. Have you have you seen any of those that they have been that have been made like the the spawns from uh, like the Halloween the Halloween okay. films that they've got out there? I cannot be a liar. I, I will be honest. I have not seen those. I mean, here, here's my sort of my whole feeling on fan films. I think that um, there are a lot of situations where um, fans they're not taken as seriously uh, that they should be by studios, you know. Studios go out and they make a film. They pretty much go against everything us fans want. But the thing that I do love about fan films is they take everything because they don't have a studio telling them what they can do, what they can't do. And sometimes they can make a far more genuine product just based on that. Um, and that's what I really do love about fan films. I mean, I guess it, it's one of those duh things, you know, it comes to that thing that obviously a fan film is going to have more heart in it than a studio film, because once again, it's a situation where it's not a paycheck, you know what I mean? It's it's their heart, and that's what's wonderful about it. Oh yeah, and the, and like um, like I was saying about the Batman movie, um, ba- the Batman fans, and and it seems like the Batman fans, Todd, your 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 guy, you guys are the ones that are out there making the comic book inspired ones. There's some others, but the majority that I've seen, and they're really good, are the Batman movies. Like there's one, 
out there called Grayson, which is a, a uh, it's a trailer for a movie. Actually, it's it's not a real movie. I wish they would make it. That has um, Dick Grayson donning the Robin gear because Batman has been killed, and there's like a some sort of um, uh, there's something happened and it involves Superman and Wonder Woman and everyone knows what happened to Batman and was a part of it, but no one will tell him and it's up to him to take on. So Dick Grayson fights Superman in this and, and it's like a serious badass flick and I would love for this to be made, but there's also one of the best ever. And I think I've introduced Ren and I introduced Danny, I think, to this was the Joker blogs. Yes, I was just going to say the Joker blogs blew me away. I was just stunned. I couldn't couldn't believe how good the guy was. His Joker is flawless. And B. He was terrifying. Yeah. And uh, and the other thing that I was just, just so stunned by was... I mean, the production, you know, you could tell it was a fan film, but they did a really good job with it. They lit it. They had interesting angles. So they took some care in that. But the writing, whatever, whoever, if it was him by himself or a team of people coming up with story ideas, stunning. I mean, just really, really interesting things that made you really want to continue watching, not just for novelty's sake of watching a guy impersonate the Joker, but because you wanted to know the story. It was mesmerizing. I loved it. Well, I have to say also that, like, for me, Dead End was the absolute pinnacle. Because oh, man. It was like uh, <laughs> Sandy Cholera went out there just to show people what he could do. And it really, matter of fact, I've got the cowl from Dead End sitting right across from me. I have it sitting here. I, that I really need to know where you live, Todd. I just loved it. You all, you know, <laughs> now that I know you need to know, Be I'm afraid, not telling Todd. you now. Be afraid. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, and Danny's right. Danny um, uh, is right. I mean, the, and, and Rin, too. The, the guy nailed it. He nailed it. I actually, when I was on, I was funny because I, I, I don't know if, if I don't, it, how they do it. I don't think they make any money off of them and that way they can get away with making this stuff. Um, I think that's the logistics, you know, but yeah, I told the, good. right, it's, it's, it's nonprofit. Um, but I told this girl from Warner Brothers, have, if you really do ever bring the Joker back, I know the guy, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But um, Todd, have you seen those yet? I've seen quite a few of them. I, I really like the the other one Sandy did, the Justice League one with uh, you know it was the Batman Superman uh, trailer he did for uh, the World's oh, Finest. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, that's the other one that was great. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, and I really did like the Grayson one too. Really nice. I, I wish they would make that movie. I don't care what they do, just put those guys in it because the guy that played Superman in that looked spot on. Yeah, I mean they were really great. But the the one that um I was actually discussing with um with Ren before was there's a uh, a spawn of uh, they call it Star Trek Phase Two, which is um, Star Trek: The New Voyages, and it was done even I think it was four years. It started four years before the um, the reboot by J.J. Abrams, and basically four years before or it, it, started it, it started four years before oh, yeah okay. it was yeah it was it was started production four years before that even came to be cool. and yeah and they make no money at all they have like a, a professional website where you can go watch the the episodes um they actually have a paypal donation set up where you can donate to that or they even say send us um gift cards for places like home depot because they build their own sets. 
Sweet. They make everything there. Um, and it's just amazing what they've done. Well, it got, they've only done, I believe, I want to say seven episodes because it takes a while to film them. They're an hour a pop. Um, but they have done such a great job that they actually got George Takei no in way. an episode. No, yes way. George Takei was on the show and, and what ended up happening was they got nominated for a Hugo Award against people like Battlestar Galactica and Doctor Who. Unbelievable. We have I a guest. I believe we have a guest. <laughs> our bestie guestie tonight is... Very first guest. Our very first guest, um, and I'm very thrilled for him to be here um, as my, as my uh, first guest for the show. Uh, probably the nicest guy in Hollywood. Um, he is the modern Lon Chaney to so many people, and, and Guillermo del Toro calls him the Fred Astaire of, of the movies now. He's the Fred Astaire of monsters, and, um, and he's pretty darn cute without all of that on him, too, and can act up a storm without the makeup. And without further ado, it is Mr. Doug Jones. Yay. Hi, Doug. <laughs> Here's where you press the button on that applause button so all the fake applause will happen. <laughs> no, no, thank Todd, you. No, thank Todd, you really you I, I got it covered. <laughs> got it covered. Okay. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm quite honored to be your very first guest of your very first show ever. Is that right? Yes, it is. It is. It is. Wow. Wow. So now if you ever go off the air and you know, and you know when that day is going to be, you have to have me back as your very last guest as well. Like 15 years from now, okay? And, but you have to sing "When Beneath My Wings" like Bette Midler did for Johnny Carson. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't want. I don't. You'll, you'll never have a last show. You're going. We'll all die with you on the air. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can hope. I hope it. I hope it does well. I think it will. Especially um, having somebody like you on. I'm very thrilled to have you on. I'm. I've made no no question about the fact that I'm a huge fan of your work and so many other people are um, Dougie if you don't know has portrayed uh, characters such as Abe Sapien he was phenomenal in a film called Pan's Lab Abe Sapien and, uh, in Hellboy Abe Sapien in Hellboy thank you, um, and, thank you Ren and uh, Pan's Labyrinth he did double duty and also you learned Italian phonetically is that correct? Uh, I learned no, I Spanish. learned Spanish. Spanish. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say phonetically. I, I learned the language of the film. I, I had a translation from English uh, to Spanish, and I broke down the sentence structure and knew exactly what I was saying. Um, yeah, so the, but it was a tough path. Yes, yeah, so it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and he also is the Silver Surfer, um, and has done a a wonderful job in a film that I absolutely love called uh, My Name Is Jerry. Which is streaming oh, on Netflix right now. That. Oh, it's a beautiful yes. film, wonderful film. So let me introduce you to my co-host here. Um, we lost Christy, um, but we have Ren, and, and we have Danny, who drew that beautiful um, artwork for the show for you. Um, oh my, Danny, that was gorgeous! And if anybody's listening, oh, you must go to the Doug. regular website and, and have a look. Oh, it's beautiful, and so it's so very me. I appreciate that. <laughs> it was a joy. And uh, also we have Todd, who is our producer and uh, resident geek boy. We have to have a boy on the show, and Todd is it. Yay. 
<laughs> well, well, lovely. Oh, yeah, very, very kind. And you know what? Yeah, the, the artwork that Danny did was he titled the Doug Jones, the Fred Astaire of Monsters. Um, you did give credit to Guillermo del Toro. That is something that's an actual quote of his. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging oh, no. system. Oh, no. Oh. Is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you Tell finish I- recording, you may hang up or press 1 oh, for more please. options. Uh, to leave a call back, press 5. Oh, please. This is going to be a great message. Yeah, it was trying to call you're, back. You're, I know. You're going to be hearing us on the air. That's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh, well, Christy, I think Christy had to leave, so that's fine. That's fine. But um, And we can edit this out, which is why we don't do this really live. <laughs> Things like this happen. I've learned. Well, I've learned. Idea. <laughs> so you've got the three of us. So um, I thought we'd do this kind of roundtable, Dougie, because I know um, I know Danny and Ren both have questions for you, and I, d- I have some for sure for you. Um, so I'm going to start off first with, I want to know about this movie called John Dies at the End that I saw a great picture of you looking pretty dead. Oh, I was just going to yeah, ask yeah, about yeah. that. Right, right. Well, the, the, the images uh, from John, John Dyson just came out on uh, AntiCoolNews.com and, and then they have been, like, forwarded and pasted on oh, every other site just in the last few days, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it just did. Right. Uh, John Dyson at the End was a, a book by David Wong that, that he wrote online. It was the only readable online way back. Um, and it had, like, I don't know, something like 70,000 uh, views or reads. And uh, so they ended up publishing it in paperback form, and then a hardback version just came out in 2009. So it's a, it's a book, it's a sci-fi comedy book that had uh, a huge cult following. And um, Don Coscarelli are, uh, uh, adapted it into a screenplay, which is also equally as charming, funny, quirky, sci-fi-driven, lovely love. It's a big mess of love. And uh, there's a character in this story named Rob North, and uh, that's me. So, uh, Roger North comes from another dimension, and uh, there's the, the, the two leads of the movie are uh, two young kids, uh, like early 20-something, um, and they, they're the ones, it's their story you're following, and one of them is named John, of course, and so I think you know what happens to him by the title. But, um, <laughs> but, um, uh, but uh, they, they uh, are sold some kind of like what, what's called soy sauce. It's like a, that's from some kind of, a, it looks like a drug dealer. And, um, and this soy sauce, uh, uh, it, it actually, you can see into the other dimension when, when you drink it. And so these, these kids, uh, but, but not everybody can see as much as these two can, or especially the one. Uh, so I then uh, am, am one of these, I, I come from this other dimension that they're now looking into, and I've been observing them for a while. Uh, and so finally, um, I make the crossover, and I come into their world, and I introduce myself and explain what's going on and what's happening to them. And a lot of exposition comes from me. And, um, and they, uh, and I, but I'm also fascinated with, with their world because I've been observing them for so long. And I've got all these, all these innocent, like little boy questions about how life is handled here with humans, you know? <laughs> so, so the picture you see of me is very, is very, of course, tall and skinny and uh, with very pasty white skin and dark circles under my eyes and, and odd clothing. So that's really all the more more transformation I had to go through physically was just kind of like a human that doesn't look quite right. And uh, anyway, John Coscarelli as our he also directed the film, and you know his name from Phantasm One, Two, and Three, and from uh, The Beastmaster and Bubba Hotep. So he's a brilliant filmmaker and a very he understands the quirky funny absolutely. So he, he's now 
uh, through this experience, he's now in my list of top seven favorite directors I've ever worked with in my life. Oh, wow. So there uh, you I go. S- well, I saw that Angus Scrim is listed on the credits, too, so he's in this as well? Yes. Um, um, Angus Scrim, along with Paul Giamatti Mati. and Clancy Brown. Yeah, I saw the Clancy oh. Brown picture with him, and he had like a couple of twins with him or something. Well, I wasn't going to say, hey, but yeah. <laughs> that's well, that's implicit. That's implicit when you say twins, right? <laughs> like, yeah, just I know that's implied. Of course, yeah, yeah. Nobody has. Well, unless they're conjoined or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my goodness! You crazy fangirl. <laughs> We're also starting a band, Doug. We're calling it Dougie Jones and the Fangirls. I thought you wanted. <laughs> oh, Dougie Jones and the Fangirls. Yeah, uh, that's our band. I think it's, no, this, this is going to fly. You guys, we seriously have to write music and play it and sing it and do it and travel <laughs> the country. It's done. It's, you got it. Really? We'll make t-shirts. Yeah, yeah totally. I'm, I'm down. Well, you know what? We'll play at conventions. Yeah, Jay, can, Jay, can you sing? There you go. Um, built in oh, No, no. Someone else has to sing. <laughs> <laughs> Doug can sing. Oh. That's the whole point. <laughs> that's the whole point. I can yeah. write the music. Todd can write the music. There you go. Hey, I just need to learn an instrument. Does this <laughs> rock band guitar count? Like, you know, with the clicking? <laughs> I can be like South Park and click my way through the song. <laughs> so, Ren, do you, um, let's, let's move it along to Ren. Ren, do you have a question for Dougie? I do. I do indeed. Um, I really wanted to ask you about somebody who I am a major fan of, and I'm sure you, I guess you are too. Um, I, I'm I'm a movie buff, and I studied it for a while. Guillermo del Toro is one of my favorite filmmakers. I just I want to eat his brain and ingest all his wonderful ideas. I know, um, I know, right? Yeah, and <laughs> and I know you've worked with him on lots of pictures, and so I was just really hoping you could just tell us a little bit about the man and what it's like to work with him, and maybe there's a little insight as to how he does what he does. Well, sure. I love talking about Guillermo del Toro because he's also on my list of top seven favorite directors I've ever worked with in my life. I would be scandalized if he was not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in fact, I mean, and every director on that list knows that Guillermo's got the first position. And, and right. no one argues with that. So, um, no, Guillermo del Toro, when you work with him, you're working with an absolute genius. Mm-hmm. And uh, but he's, he's a genius who's not quite sure of it. You know what I mean? And that's the really? most humble and wonderful kind. Oh, Aww. yeah, yeah. He's a He's, a, he's an insecure little eight-year-old boy who is a fan and a geek himself. He likes creepy, crawly monsters, and he wants to. Uh, he likes to watch movies with monsters in it. So that's that, that's where he starts, right? He's also that's the most, so cool. He's the smartest, like well-read, well-watched, well-cultured man I've ever known. Cool. And um, even even bilingually, he's got the most the biggest vocabulary of anybody I've ever known, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's in English or Spanish. And um, uh, he, 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 the way he understands the human condition, I think that's when he writes a script. He writes uh, everyone with a sympathy to them that we can all relate to, even if it's a bad guy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So, so that's why that's why I owe him so much because uh, I was I was a creature after uh, kind of like. Known, known in the business, known among the creature, uh, known among the movie makers as that right. guy who does that thing. 
and it was because of Guillermo del Toro, uh, uh, you know, doing a throwback to the golden era where you write monster parts for living men, you know, where they have human elements and human conditions uh, and uh, causes mm-hmm. and uh, and fears of their own and a storyline to get through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he, and he gives that role to a monster, right? Um, that, like, that's going back to Lon Chaney, Boris Karloff, Ella Lugosi, and that hadn't been done for so, so long. So mm-hmm. when he brings that kind of art back and, and, and to an actor with, with foam rubber on his face, uh, I was just really blessed. I, was, I, I happened to be that actor. Um, so uh, so he, he, because of him, my career kind of turned to page with uh, with his movies uh, to the point where I went from being, you know, I, can, I was considered, you know, that, that guy who does stuff and crawls around and with all the people <laughs> to, to now, now there are people out there that call me a movie star, which is very humbling, but it's, uh, but, but I, I would rather hear that. I think that's so <laughs> cool. Honest, yeah. So, uh, and I owe all that to Guillermo del Toro because he's, he's, he's one of those few guys that gets it. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, along with just being a genius, there's something about him that really looks very huggable. I, I really want to hug him. Yeah. I want to hug him. Yeah. And he wants to hug you back, too. And he oh, will yay. Yeah, he'll <laughs> your ribs and go snap, snap, snap. Yeah. That oh, is he's, the a, best he's a lovely hug. huggy teddy bear, man. Yeah. I, I know. I just had to say that the two of you on stage together is the most hilarious thing to watch because you you play off one another so well, and you can tell there's so much friendship there. But how you roll your eyes when he's on a roll of uh, the you know well, just going off on a tangent. It's so, it's awesome. Well, he's as crude and as rude and as cussy as a man can possibly be. Yay! And he does charm, doesn't he? He does. You just don't care. You just want to go up and yeah, go, you're so yeah. cute when you say the F-bomb. <laughs> Somehow, yeah, the F-word on him sounds just adorable. I know. <laughs> you find yourself laughing all the way through it. I know. I know. <laughs> well, Danny, do you have a question? Well, I've got a lot of questions, but um, in particular, I think, um, Doug, you've played a lot of good guys, and but you've played some really terrifying bad guys. Um, not just the creature roles that you did in Pan's Labyrinth and Quarantine or even Fear Itself. So that I, I, you know, that kept me awake for weeks. I have to be honest. But, oh, um, thank you. I, I love that. That was, <laughs> was awesome. <laughs> but, like, um, also the, the shopkeeper in the, the film short, The Candy Shop, which was just incredible and artistic and at the same time, you know, pretty pretty disturbing. How do you approach roles like that that can be sort of uncomfortable psychologically? Yeah, well, first of all, first of all, thank you so much for knowing about the candy shop. That's uh, oh. it's one of those short films. I, I love doing short films with a cause and with a purpose, um, and that's that's one of one of those projects I, that I poured my heart and soul into. Uh, for those who don't know, the candy shop is a is a thirty minute film that addresses the issue of child sex trafficking, but mm-hmm. in a very creative way that never really fully says it out loud. Uh, and and the the uh, metaphor child sex trafficking is this candy shop where I'm the candy shop owner and I lure children into my store. I turn them into candy in my back room and then put them out in the front window with lollipops for oh, wow. all of my older gentlemen customers to come in and, uh, and purchase. And it's it's really like, beautiful. Right. So we're telling our audience that's what's happening to our kids in this, and it's happening right here in the United States uh, mm-hmm. where runaways and, and toss away kids that, uh, that parents aren't paying attention to or uh, our kids are good that are getting lured away from, you know, by Craigslist ads or whatever, and they're being then knocked into this system 
And, uh, and you know, they're, they're promised a sense of family, they're promised money and the whole thing, and they end up being enslaved to an opportunistic uh, beast who's making money off of them and selling their body and a little piece of their soul with it. You know what I mean? I would almost so, say that's, to- I would almost say toddlers and tiaras is on that same, or pretty close to that level too. Not, this is me, but that's so hard. Yeah, yeah. No, it is absolutely uh, an atrocity. And so when you hear the word trafficking, it's not just happening where we, you know, in other countries, it's happening right in our own backyard. And we, uh, I filmed that, uh, that candy shop in Atlanta, Georgia, where, um, that is the, uh, the, the problem there uh, is more per capita than anywhere else in our country. Uh, and you, you wouldn't catch Atlanta, Georgia, of all places, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all the factors that go into that would be, uh, you know, a major airport that's the busiest airport in the country, along with, you know, professional sports teams that bring weekend traffic into the city and all, all kinds of things. Um, uh, a, lower, a lower socioeconomic outlook uh, uh, there um, when your demographics and so enough conditions come together to make that a really, a really hot spot for, for this problem, that's what we are on the movie. And um, so it's, um, it's attached to a, a charity organization called Street Grace. And their, their one purpose is to, is to end this problem uh, by educating and moving, moving uh, cities, towns, and people that live in them to action, to stop it. Uh, is it, is it and, making and the also, rounds? Is it getting recognition? Um, yes, it is. Uh, uh, it, it, this, the candy shop is now doing the film festival circuit. It was, it was, it's, it's watchable online. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to the production company's website, which is whitestonemotionpictures.com, okay. you can watch all their short films. They're brilliant and lovely and tear-jerky or laughy-laughy. Uh, they, they make great short films. And uh, the candy shop is, is, was a pet, a pet project for them as well. Um, so... Uh, so now it's in the film festival circuit, and they hopefully have plans to make a feature out of it as well. Uh, Ooh, that'd and, be great. But, but, but back to your original question. Uh, <laughs> thank you for letting me go on my tangent. Um, <laughs> I played a despicable bad guy in this in this film, and um, and like any role, any, any role that an actor plays, you want to delve yourself into that person's heart and soul, um, and to know what what are his weaknesses, what are his strengths. Find out every fiber of that human being before you play him, and and what I find out is that bad guys don't know they're bad guys. They're just they're they're surviving like anyone else is, and mm-hmm. they're doing it wrong, mind you. But right. but, to, but to them, they don't know that. It's kind of like they don't know any better by that time. And what, and what I found like getting into the psyche of the candy shop owner was that it was baby stuff. One little decision at a time over the course of his entire life gotten to the point where you can sell children as candy, uh, you know, to, to using customers. Um, right. You don't wake up one day thinking, you know what, I think I'll try as a job today. I think <laughs> you know, it really, it's just baby steps to get you there. Uh, mm-hmm. So I kind of had to delve into this guy's background to think, like, what kind of childhood he goes through, what uh, what kind of, uh, uh, you know, what, what hurt can be to have gotten into the place where he is. Because I believe that that hurts people are the ones who hurt people. So, uh, so when you play a bad guy who's hurting people, he probably has a hurt past himself. So that's kind of where, where a character like that came from. Um, now, when you're playing something like the Pale Man in Pan's Labyrinth with eyeballs in your hands and a, and a hunger for children to eat them, <laughs> then, you know, there's not quite enough, <laughs> like, you know, tactical uh, character study. You can't go interview somebody at a nursing home who has the same condition. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And, you know, how do they get there? Yeah. 
um, basically you have to kind of come up with a fantasy background for yourself. That, uh, and, and again, the pale man, he doesn't know he's evil. He, he, he wakes up from these slumbers of his when, some, when a child breaks the rules that they were given, and he's hungry. That's all he knows. He's hungry and he wants to eat. I have to tell you, that creature terrified me more than anything I've ever seen on screen, ever. Well, That thing scared the hell out of me. Aw, that's very sweet of you. You wouldn't expect that. Like, I scared you to death and you can't... Oh, no, I mean, it, I mean it as a compliment. Every syllable is a compliment. It scared the hell out of me. Well, I will he kind of looks sort of frail. He looks a little frail oh, at first. I mean, you know, you, you don't yeah, expect yeah. him to be as, as strong and as overpowering and as frightening as he is, but... Um, and then he rips sure the head off. Yeah, and then he rips the head off of Fairy, and it's like, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it, was, it was everything. It was the bottom half of him being just like hip bones, and oh, it was the whole thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just having flashbacks. This is bad. <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's good, but oh, man. <laughs> Um, well, I was going to add on to that um, about the, because uh, I'm glad you brought up the candy shop, was I know we've talked before about, um, you know, balancing our our beliefs and, and, and what, you know, the field that we're in. Um, uh-huh. And and I wanted to find out from you how you feel about using horror and sci-fi as a way of, like, telling morality tales and getting the point across using those, how great of tools those are um, to storytellers. And in a, as an actor, right? Well, yeah, wow. I, I think I think what what uh, the useful tool of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, all of it, uh, even comic book stories, uh, in in telling a tale with, with redemption and, and and morality to it, is uh, that we get to go to a, to a fantastical place and escape um, our. Uh, we get to escape our real woes when we see these kind of movies, anyway. And if those movies touch on real human elements and real human conditions and, and, and real human problems, you watch these fantasy characters work through them heroically and redemptively. Then you can go, gosh, that was a great movie, but you walk away with it inspired to go home and tackle your real life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what I get out of it anyway. And I think so humans, like- humans innately make con- uh, um Oh, shoot, I've just lost the word. Connections. Humans, we just make connections in everything that we see and hear. And so you walk away yeah. from a sci-fi film going, gosh, that was great. And then you realize there's a parallel. You know, you see something and you go, that's right. just like, you know, right. the humans hating the X-Men because they're different. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. Right. And then stories with parallels and, and you know, uh, I think that's, that's, that's a very effective type of storytelling. I mean, Jesus himself did it in the Bible a lot. Uh, uh, you know, getting a point across by like talking about you know the parable of the so and so and the Mister Such and Such, right? Yeah. So um, I think that's what horror that was a great parable, by the way. I know. I know. Well, and and I think that you know we we go back. Speaking of the Bible, we go back to the Bible, and and you know a lot of people are like, oh, it's not cool anymore or whatever. So they take, but they take at the courts. It's it's kind of funny to me how people don't realize, or then they or they do finally realize things like Superman are are a Christ parable. They really are. Oh, it's, yeah, the Christ-like imagery and and the parab- and, and, and Christ uh, imagery and para- parallels all throughout comic books. Uh, that's what I, I, I even playing the Silver Surfer. I found uh, a lot of that element to, to that character when I played him. 
I got very inspired by his sacrificial ways and his angelic way, you know. Oh, so, totally, totally. So I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you on that one for sure. So, Rin, do you yeah. have another question? <laughs> do I have another question? Oh, you, you started. You started talking about Jesus, and I started to nod off. Sorry. <laughs> no. Oh, 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 oh. You're a terrible person. I'm horrible. <laughs> I know. I'm really sorry. Um. Well, you know what? This is this is probably something that other people with their ears closer to the ground than I might know. But do you know? Is there any chance vaguely of a Hellboy three? Oh, you know, uh, you, you've just tapped into the number one question I get asked anywhere I go. I'm sure they do. I'm uh, sure. Yeah. And, and what that, I, I don't get annoyed by the question at all, but that's been quite complimented by it. Because that, that means you like one and two. I do. Right? I do indeed. Right. And me, me too. And I, I, I appreciate that so much. Um, uh, Hellboy 3, I, I don't see it on the, on the horizon anywhere myself. Uh, I keep asking. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh I don't think anybody would do it unless Guillermo del Toro himself championed it back to the studio. Oh, of say, course. Let's make it, let's make it, let's make it. And he's yeah. got so much on his plate between now and, and his death that he's, yeah. there's no way he's going to finish it all. Yeah. Um, I'm, well, I'm going to piggyback on her. I'm sorry? I was going to say, I was going to piggyback on her question with one that you probably get asked all the time, too, which is Frankenstein. Yes, well, there you go. Uh, and that's another one that he wants to do before he would ever go attempt to help with three, probably. Uh, yeah, uh, Frankenstein is still in development at Universal Pictures. And last I heard um, that he, uh, he, finally, he gave them a, a treatment for a script uh, in August, like a couple months ago. Or last cool. Month. And uh, so there's not a full scripted, you know, the script is not fully worded yet. Um, and he's taking his time with it. But he's also working on the Shistic Rim in the meantime. He's prepping that in Toronto right now to start shooting in November from my here. So... He's, you know, he, uh, Frankenstein for him has been a lifelong dream, uh, dream to uh, make because when he was a kid, uh, that was the book that inspired his love of monsters, and that was the movie with Boris Karloff that inspired his wanting to make movies that have monsters. Awesome. So, so this, this this property is something near and dear to his life, to his heart, to his, the child in him. So he's not going to rush into it and try to knock one out as fast as he can. Yeah. So um, if it's not a script yet, he's going to wait until it, he's inspired and, and he's going to let it come out of him naturally and organically and in time. If he's working on another film in the meantime, we you know, don't hold your breath right now. <laughs> but it, he, it can, he can make whatever he wants. He can make anything he, he wants. Know, he can yeah. write a screenplay for the phone book. <laughs> I'll watch it. <laughs> exactly. And I'm sure... Well, I, d- I don't... As long as, you're the, as long as you're the creature, Doug, that's all that matters. <laughs> Well, Does a creature in the phone book? A creature in the phone book. I didn't know that I was attached to play the Frankenstein's monster until uh, uh, a journalist told me that, that they had just talked to, to Guillermo del Toro minutes before me at a red carpet. Uh, and, uh, I was going to make it on Frankenstein and how Doug Jones was going to play the monster. And I was like, good number. very that night, if you can imagine. Yeah. Actually, that, that, that was at the red carpet of the Hellboy 2 premiere. I was having a great night. I was there to see myself yeah. on, on film, and I heard that news on the way into the building. You can oh, imagine. what a night. What a night. <laughs> no. Sure. No. So, Danny, do you have a question? Yeah. Um, actually, on the subject of dream roles, you're very musical. You sing beautifully, and obviously your physicality is legend. So how is it you haven't headlined a Broadway show yet? You know, it seems like kind of a natural oh. for you. <laughs> 
you have sort of thinking. Yes. You know. Yes. Okay. I, that's, I love that you brought that up because um, um, anytime anybody asks me what's something you haven't done yet that you'd love to do, uh, I would love to do Broadway. I would love to you know, and can I be specific about this? Yes. I would love no. to, I would love to play Jack Skellington in a Broadway version of my You just my made us the three happiest women in the world. Just made multiple squeen happy. <laughs> no. <laughs> so perfect. So hopefully Ken Burton's listening to the show and, and he'll, yeah. he'll go, Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. That has to happen. <laughs> oh my God, that's my that is now my new ambition. I'm going to feed that in my brain so they when they eat it they can they can know that this needs to happen. <laughs> you're, you're very. I think powerful. I have Thank the you. yeah. I think I have the the subject for our next uh, fangirl cartoon for the oh, Halloween oh version. My God. There you go, the Halloween special. There, Danny, you got it. There you See, go. We'll All right. Have on for you, Doug, at least, and then we'll just give it to everybody we know. <laughs> Well, Doug, I actually had a question um, about, you know, after seeing how amazing, I'm going to pimp this movie to everybody. My name is Jerry, Jerry, is so good. Um, I I really love it. Not just because you're an eyeliner, but because you're good in it. And it's such a good, (laughs) it was my dream. Dougie got eyeliner. It was great. Um, Is there a chance that you're going to do like another, because you were so good as a romantic lead in that. And are you oh. like, are you getting any more scripts thanks to that movie for you to be out of makeup and doing things like that? Yeah, no, um, we filmed it back in 2008, actually, and it, uh, it was released last year, finally, uh, October of 2010, uh, on DVD. And then now it's now streaming on Netflix and it's also streaming on Hulu. Like that's a, a more recent addition to the to the file. I'm very happy about the, the life that it's had, um, and 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 thankfully I also got a uh, a, uh, a I got a couple of acting nominations at festivals and I actually won one. I got best actor at the Strasbourg Film Festival in France. Oh, so, nice! Um, very tickled to think about, it. and and that's for a role. Uh, that's my actually my first award I've ever won for an acting part without rubber on my face. So. <laughs> Uh, in my name is Gary. I get to play a middle-aged white guy going through a midlife crisis, and it's a, it's a very basic slice of life story about this sad sack who, who, you know, is that that midlife uh, where you reinvent yourself and try to ask yourself all the important questions like what really matters in life, and have I achieved anything? Have I made anything of myself? And what do I do from this point forward? Uh, so I, I love. I've been through a midlife crisis. That's why I could really connect to Jerry, and. Um, and there's also um, that 20-something uh, element to the story, too, where I, uh, I'd be finding a lot of 20-something kids that are into punk, punk rock, and uh, it looks like one of them might turn into a love interest, and then you're like, oh, no, I, uh, this girl named Jordan, and but she reminds me of my daughter, basically, and my daughter comes home after 10 years of not seeing her uh, as, because I was a dad who, who wasn't paying attention to her kids. So a lot of real-life stuff is happening in this movie, and but it's done with, a, with such charm. I... Uh, I, I'm very drawn to Jerry, and when I, when I watch the movie back, I normally don't like watching myself that much. I, I guess I just get charmed by Jerry every time I see him. Uh, he, he's delightful. He, you, you do root for him. You do want him to succeed. And um, uh, so it's nice to see him, you know, by the end of the film, sort of like try to you know, take control of himself again and, uh, and, and, and pay attention to his daughter and, and, and pay attention to what's important in life and, and, and let go of what is you know? 
Yeah, and it, it's it's such a and it's it's such a cute movie and it's a decent movie. You know, there's nothing overt in it or anything like that. It's just a good yeah, movie. No, it, but thank you. And, and uh, you mentioned eyeliner because that, there's that one scene where I try to I try to dress up like the punk rock kids and I end up going a little bit goth instead. And, it, and so <laughs> I had you know a pale face and eyeliner on and my hair spiked up with black gel and that's Jay's dream for every of, man. <laughs> he kn- he knows but I, he knows. But I, but I did get the, I did cut the sleeves off my shirt so that I could show off these guns I'm sitting here sporting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're getting uh, we're getting towards the end. Todd, how are we about to get cut off here? You got about a minute. I got about Ooh. a minute. Oh. Well, Dougie, I want you to pimp your book because you've got a oh, book. So let me pimp a couple. In 60 seconds, I'll tell you, please watch The Guild, uh, the new the web series with Felicia Day. I'm, I, I'm in the current season five of The Guild. If you go to nice. watchtheguild.com, watchtheguild.com, you can find, find me there as a recurring guest, uh, as a steampunk dandy. So a lot of fun. Um, I'm also, if you're uh, anywhere in the country, uh, look for my French movie, Gainsbourg, A Heroic Life. It's crossing the country uh, two cities at a time. Um, from now through November. So if you go to my website, thedougjonesexperience.com, there's a box right in the middle of the home page where we'll be able to clickable tell you what city and what dates it'll be near you. Uh, that's Gainsbourg in Heroic Life. And I'm, I speak French in it when I play a fantasy character. I'm, I'm his alter ego. Also, my mind book. Yes, December. The book is my very own book. It is a coffee table photo book full of pictures of me as a mind mocking minds and mocking <laughs> pop culture and po- mocking famous artwork, famous movie posters, famous iconic photography, uh, where we redo everything with me as a mime, and it is full of puns. Oh, my the title God. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Mime over matter, once upon a mime, a mime is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> and then it's just like Venus, Venus to Mime Low, The Little Mermime, Mime Hamad Ali. <laughs> oh, mime I'm Trump. buying it's this. All in the book. I'm buying this right, right now. Is, don't you have Mimelin so, Monroe or something like that? <laughs> Mar- yes, Marilyn Monroe is in the book. Um, <laughs> so you want to? You can if you go to Amazon.com right now. You can pre-order this book. It's it'll be available for sending out in December, and it's going to hit bookshelves and stores everywhere then too. Um, I'm doing it and right you can now. Find out more about that also at the dedicated website, which is mindveryownbook.com. Awesome. Well, Dougie, thank you so much for being a part of the show and being the first episode and being my the first guest for us. We had a great, great time talking to you. No. I want, I want you to come back if you can when you're not busy because we love talking it's to you and deal. and you it's and you deal. made Anytime it a multiple squeeze. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Well, I'm, I'm I'm glad that we can do the Virgin show together. Yay! 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 Thank so, you uh, so much, Doug. Thank, okay, thanks uh, for having me, you guys. Love you all. Thanks, thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> and so there you have it, everybody. This was the first episode. I hope you had a great time. I hope you enjoyed hearing Dougie talk about all of, this, uh, all of his great work and uh, the stuff he's got upcoming. Please check out The Guild. He is great in it, as is Felicia Day and the rest of the cast. Um, it takes place at a Comic-Con type environment um, this, this season. And Neil Gaiman actually shows up in an episode um, as Neil Gaiman. Um, so, you know, thank you once again for, from Christy, from Ren, from Danny. Danny Wren, say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. And Todd, Jinx. thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure.
And we will hopefully be back uh, next week with some more goodies for you to talk about and uh, some more guests upcoming. And I'm working on some cool stuff, hopefully, for the month of October, so to celebrate Halloween. Um, and thank you once again. This has been the Fangirl Radio Show. Yeah.